Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I have Lee back on this week to talk about implementing no contact. But before we get to that, here is a five-star review that we received on Apple Podcasts. This is for everyone. Not only has this podcast been so healing for me, but it made my heart and mind come together to understand how this happened, why this happened, and what abuse looks like. This podcast is educational for every person in your household though some of it might not be suitable for children, but the skills and lessons you learned will be carried on to your children. Use it to gain the skills necessary to effectively communicate with anyone. Share it with everyone. If you have not yet and you're so inclined, please take the time to rate this podcast because every single one of your ratings and your reviews helps isolated women find us. We're going to be adding new sessions to our Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group. Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group is a live online support group for victims of emotional abuse, psychological abuse, and sexual coercion in the form of your husband's pornography use. The group sessions happen multiple times a day in every single time zone. You don't have to leave your home. You can do it in your closet. You can do it in your car. You don't have to set an appointment. You don't have to wait for anything. The other thing is they understand it right away. So once you get into a session, you don't have to explain yourself. You can actually get help. So go to btr.org to check out the session schedule and we'd love to see you in a session today. Okay. I have Lee back on today's episode. Last week, I talked to her about her situation, but these two episodes were recorded months and months apart. So there has been a big gap of time between last week's episode and this week. So if you haven't heard that, please go back to last week, listen to that first, and then join us here. On last week's episode, which again was months ago, Lee and I talked about her situation and her story and how she was really interested in implementing no contact. In the months between, she has actually implemented no contact, which a lot of people are interested in. And so we're going to talk about how she did that, why she did that, and how she's feeling now. So welcome back, Lee. Thank you. All right. So you were really interested in implementing no contact so that you could get some peace in your life. First of all, let's talk about what your concerns were. A lot of the women in the group I know experienced some alterations of the reality because of the situations that their husbands have put them in. They like to kind of twist your thoughts a little bit. And I lived in that false reality. Anytime I thought I had concerns or where I knew something was real, he would alter my reality and confuse me and just convince me that my that what I was thinking was completely illogical or not accurate. And I now have a difficult time understanding my own reality now. But as I went through my divorce, he continued to do this and he continued to manipulate things and continued to tell me that things that I said that I never said or things that I did say that he would say I never said. And that was really difficult to live like that and live in that and always questioning my own reality and not knowing if what I was thinking or if what I was doing was actually real. It was very confusing. So why I wanted to go into this is because I needed documentation of what I was saying and what he was saying so I could um, trust myself almost more and trust that what I knew to be true was truth and I had that evidence in writing. Okay, so you have this evidence that he's gaslighting you. You have this evidence that he's emotionally and psychologically abusing you. You have this evidence that he's trying to alter your reality. 
and you figure that no contact is going to be the best option after you've gathered this evidence, right? Because you're thinking, I can't communicate with him in any way, shape, or form without him lying to me, without him twisting the truth, without things going sideways. Yeah, without crazy making, because that's what it was. It was crazy making. So you decide, I need to do no contact. What were your concerns about no contact? Like at the beginning when you're thinking, oh, that would be amazing if I could do no contact, if I could stop interacting with him, but I'm scared because, or it won't work because, what were the things at the beginning before you decided, hey, I'm going to try this out that kind of held you back from even considering it at first? So the first reason was that he wouldn't want to participate. I knew he always used the excuse when I had tried to implement a little bit of this in the past, he would try to tell me that he was computer illiterate or he didn't really know how to use technology, which was not founded at all, I later realized. Um, The second was that he would use it to not communicate certain things with me about the children while they were with him. And again, it would fall back onto, oh, I was computer illiterate, so I forgot to tell you that. Whether that be that he was going to drop them off later, whether that be that maybe not telling me that the kids were uncomfortable and wanted to come home, you know, he would use it as an excuse to say, oh, sorry, I couldn't communicate with you because you have it set up through email. And I think that was my biggest fear was with the children, that if there was an emergency, how would we contact each other? Not just him, but myself, because he still is their father and would need to know if if some sort of emergency happened. And so that was another one of my concerns and why I kind of kept that verbal communication going. So when we first talked about it, you were like, I really want to do this, but it just seems impossible. And I remember talking to you on the phone and I said, the first step is believing that it's possible to know that you can, and then you just have to figure out the how. How did that change in mindset from like, I can't do this, it's impossible, we have kids together, to, okay, I can do this, now I just need to figure out how. How did that change of mindset help you to start actually looking for solutions? How that helped me is I took away like the impossibility of it and thought I need to do this. It wasn't even that I can or can't do it. It was that I needed to do it for my own sanity. I had to start implementing this. Otherwise, I just knew that this was going to be a constant cycle and a constant battle. And I was going to constantly be questioning my own reality. And I would just stay stuck in that cycle of his manipulation and abuse. So it just came to the point where there was no option. There was no choice. I had to do it. So when you decide, okay, now I'm in the how phase. Now I know I'm doing this. Now I'm in the problem solving, how do I do it phase. What were the first things that you needed to consider before implementing it? So one of the first things that I needed to consider was in case of an emergency, if something happened while the kids were in his care or my care, how would we communicate to each other? And I thought of a plan immediately. It wasn't even that hard. We thought if 
we had emergency contacts that we would use to communicate that there was an emergency going on. And all of a sudden, it was fixed. Like, I think that was my biggest hurdle. I think if I were to be honest with myself, I think it was losing that connection with him. Even though I was going through this divorce process, even though I was so badly hurt for so many years by him, um, there was still a connection that I had to him. Um, whether that be healthy or unhealthy, it was still there. And losing that was somewhat painful for me. And I think people don't realize that even though women make these decisions to, you know, move on or, or leave or whatever your decisions may be, there is still a lot of painful consequences that come with that decision. Um, a lot of emotional consequences that we don't realize. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is I was realizing I was losing this connection with him. And I would learn through this process that over that, that would always happen. There's always these like little things that I was losing each and every time detachment to him, even selling my car. I sold a car and even that had a connection to him that was painful for me to let go of in a weird way. But I think that was the hardest part was losing that connection with him and knowing it was final, I guess. It felt like things were becoming more final. Mm -hmm. No hope of it getting better, for example. No hope of it getting better. And the reality sunk in. You think you know, okay, this is real. But when something like this happens, and again, you lose a piece of that attachment, reality sinks deeper and deeper. And that can go two ways when that reality sets in. That could lead to depression. That could lead to wanting to run back to that bad situation. That could lead to growth. And so it kind of just depends on which way you choose. But that's a difficult place to be in when, again, when you're losing that connection and coming into your reality that this is real and that you're losing something. I'm going to take a break here for just a second to talk about Trauma Mama Husband Drama, my picture book for adults to help explain what is happening when it comes to abuse within the context of pornography use. It's an amazing book to give to friends, family, clergy, therapists to help explain what is happening to you. If you know someone who could benefit from understanding this better, go to btr.org backslash books where you can find Trauma Mama Husband Drama and click on that. It'll take you to Amazon. We also have a bunch of books that you need to read on btr.org backslash books. It is a curated list of books that we think are extremely important for you to understand abuse in this context. If you read all the books on our website, you will have a very good understanding of emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. Again, go to btr.org backslash books to see that list. When you purchase Trauma Mama Husband Drama, please go back to Amazon and give it a five-star rating. Again, every single one of those ratings and reviews helps isolated women find us. When they're searching for books on Amazon, that'll come up. And even if they don't buy the book, they can find the podcast that way. So we really appreciate you helping us spread the word so that no woman out there has to spend any more time experiencing the pain and the chaos. 
Okay, now back to my interview with Lee. Let's talk about some common myths with no contact. So first of all, your first reason was that he wouldn't participate. I had a smile on my face when you said this because when you do no contact right, they can't not participate. (laughs) If you block them on your phone, there's nothing they can do about it. They can't call you. They could call you from another number, but if you have a, a boundary for yourself that you never answer the phone, if it's a unknown caller and you just wait for them to leave a message, then that is another boundary for you. If you block them on your email, if you delete your social media accounts, there's nothing they can do about that. So it put a smile on my face when you said he won't participate because there's a way to do it where it doesn't matter if he participates or not, you can still block contact from him. In your particular case, you elicited some help from some family members. Let's talk about that. So you decided you were going to call your brother-in-law to see if you could get help. Talk about why you decided to call him and how that went down. My brother-in-law and my sister-in-law who have been huge supports for me during this whole thing, I went to them for my emergency contact and also to kind of emotional support as well. And tell me, tell me that I can do this. Like it's going to be okay. They agreed to be our emergency contact. And also he was the one that actually told me to block my ex-husband. But I actually never had to do that. I never had to block him. He's participated from the very beginning and he's never actually crossed that boundary, which I'm surprised about. Mm. So you went to your brother-in-law and said, this is what we're going to do. And he's participating. Now, if he started calling you, All you have to do is block them on your phone or if he started texting you or something. So you have that option. This is new to me because in your implementation of no contact, I have never heard of someone doing it with their abuser's knowledge or with their cooperation. So this is really interesting to me that you actually said, Hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're doing. And that he cooperated because the more common scenario is that you just don't even tell them you block them on your phone, you block them on your email. And then you have the third party contact them and say, due to the emotional pain that this is causing this person, we're not letting you talk to them anymore. That would be the typical way that this would go down. So it's very interesting to me that you didn't need to do that. Were you the one that communicated to your ex? Hey, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. This is how it's going to work. Or was it your brother-in-law? It was me. I talked to him. And, you know, I'm going to step back here because actually we had talked about the no contact me and you and had some hesitation towards it. But there was a pivotal moment too. again, where I knew I needed to do that. And it happened one catastrophic day where I had dropped the kids off in the morning. We had had a confrontation with each other that morning. And then that afternoon, my son had actually had a confrontation with him and I went and picked him up and we had an altercation outside of his family's house. He did end up getting a little bit physical. And then later on that evening, he had also taken my daughters and took them in a car and told them that they needed to show him where I lived. And if they didn't, he was going to drop them off in the middle of nowhere. When I had come to pick up my son, I was talking to him and I had rolled down my window just a little bit. He was able to reach in the car and take my phone. 
during our marriage, he was really obsessed with my phone too. He would wake me up in the middle of the night to go through my phone and keep me up all hours. And he was just really obsessive about it. And so it doesn't surprise me that he went for my phone again. And when I got out of the car to grab it from him, he started smacking me, telling me to get away. Eventually I gave up and thought, you know what, this isn't worth it. And I'm going to walk away. And he threw the phone after that. Did you report this assault to the police department? Again, it goes back to that attachment with him that I just feel like there's still some feelings there where I feel bad for him and I want to protect him in a way that still is probably an unhealthy attachment. But even though I I can be so angry at him, but still want to protect him. And so it came down to that protection for him. Because that was a physical assault that is reportable to the police. I would actually encourage you to still report that. The time is not past for you to report an assault. Not that you need to. I mean, I'm not, you know, whatever you want to do is is fine with me. But the reason why is that you will be safer the more the law holds them accountable. And for taking your phone and throwing it, that's a physical assault. The other part of that is actually after that altercation, not only did I implement the no contact that you had encouraged me to do, but I don't know if you remember during that conversation, the other thing that you encouraged me to do, which was to get a restraining order and finally get that implemented. And it was these two things came together. After that day, I went out the very, I think, next day that I could and went and got the restraining order done and then implemented the no contact. Awesome. Okay. So you did hold them accountable in one way in that you actually filed a restraining order. And did you cite that event? Yeah, that event actually did help me to get that restraining order against him as well. There were other things that he had done that I was able to include as well. But yeah, that event did help. Oh, that's great news. Well, that's funny to say. That's great news that you got assaulted and then you got a restraining order. But that is good news. And you actually did it. You actually took action to protect yourself. That is excellent. Okay, so that happens, and that's part of that reporting, right? I mean, you also could have reported the actual assault, and he would have been charged with assault, and that wouldn't have been a bad thing to do, and you could still actually do that if you wanted to, but not that you need to. I want women to know what their options are so that they can actually start taking action to get themselves to more safety. When you did the protective order, is that when you also implemented no contact? Yes. Yes, because part of that, all that confrontation from that day was part of, he said, she said, that's what started all of the ruckus and what ended up being a terrible, terrible day with just a bunch of he said, she said. And it was after that day that I thought, you know what, I cannot live in this anymore. I don't want something like this to happen again to either me or my children. And so, yeah, so we implemented, that's when I implemented no contact. And how did you communicate this to him with the protective order on? How the protective order works here in Arizona is you go and you apply for it. If they grant it, they now, which I think is such a great idea because I have actually filed for three protective orders, but actually never served him with it because I was afraid of his reaction and response. However, the courts now have taken that responsibility away from you. And once they grant you that protective order, 
they send it to the sheriff's department and it just automatically goes out. So whether it takes away like you having to sit there and should I or shouldn't I, it's no, once it's done, it's done. However, that still did take a couple days. So during that time, I was able to notify him that we would no longer be communicating verbally. Everything would go to email. And he, he did put up a fight. This was through text. And he did put up a fight a little bit and say, you know, that's not going to work. I don't do good with electronics, several different things, which now, since we've been doing this for, oh my gosh, since June, he can email just fine. <laughs> he is not computer illiterate. He is perfectly capable of doing email. And I have figured that out. Again, it goes back to him altering my reality or confusing me or making me believe something that's not true. He had convinced me that we can't do no contact because he doesn't understand he's not good with electronics. And that was part of my hesitation was him convincing me he couldn't do this. So there was no way, like, how was I going to be able to communicate with him when he didn't know how to really write an email, which is what he told me. And it ended up being not true. So again, it goes back to that crazy making and me questioning myself and is this possible based off of his lies. Now that you've implemented no contact, how does it work? So he cannot call me. He cannot text me. He's not supposed to be within a certain feet of me. He can only email me. That's the only way he can contact me. If he needs to contact the kids, they have their own separate phones, so he is able to communicate with them. But if he has any specific questions for me or we're making plans, it all has to go through email. Okay. And how often does he email you now? Depends on the week. He could email me a couple times a day. He could not email me for a week at a time. Okay. And how have those emails been? Have they been gaslighting stuff? This is something interesting. It's been um, a progression and I've had to learn how to better communicate with him, even through email. I mean, most people think if you go through email, it takes away all of that complicated communication or the manipulative communication, but it actually doesn't. You have to still be very aware of what you say to them and be very careful. In the beginning, we still had a lot of back and forth and we still had pages of emails back and forth to each other. And I do feel like they were very emotionally filled. When you say emotionally filled, do you mean like emotional abuse? Yeah, I think that and also both of us trying to express like our hurt and our pain. But He wasn't trying to express his hurt and his pain. He was trying to manipulate you. Oh, of course. Yes. And in me, I was trying to express hurt and pain. And it just didn't work. Yeah. What I what I do want to say here, though, is that you were interpreting those emails as sincere when they were just emotional manipulation. An abuser sees emotions as a way to manipulate someone. Going down the road and where I am at now, now I try to answer everything with one to two sentences. That's it. No more than that. I have been doing that for a while now. There have been two times recently where I have gone out of my way to email him and to address things that are not appropriate to address anymore. After that, I knew I made a mistake and then I get back on the course of one to two sentences. I do not need to go into these pages of explanations or reasonings or even comforting him. I just need to respond 
very simply. Another thing that I was taught that I, I love trying to teach this to other people is the broken record. One of the things is right now he's on supervised visitation and he keeps asking me to pick up the kids. And I have a one line that I say to that. I'm sorry you can't do that right now. And he'll say something like, well, it would just be easier and nobody else has time to pick them up today. And I just say, I'm sorry, but you can't do that right now. And then he might come back with something else. And I just keep repeating it until finally he's exhausted and doesn't even ask. And it's just that you pick a line, you stick with that line, and every single time they come at you, you use the same line over and over again until finally they they run out of questions, they run out of things to say, and they're exhausted. Have you ever heard of Tina Swithin of One Mom's Battle? I recommend that you go to her website for this custody stuff because she is really helpful. I'm not the custody expert, nor will I ever become one. She has been through this. I would really recommend that you start looking at that because he's never asking for actual comfort in those emails. You interpret it that way sometimes, but what he's actually trying to do is manipulate you. And when you fall into those traps, it makes it harder for you to maintain your sanity and safety. There still is a big part of me that hopes that he is a good person. And sometimes he shows that he can communicate as a good person, but like what you're saying, there is trickery to it. Mm -hmm. Anything that you see now that quote unquote shows that he can communicate as a good person is only grooming and manipulation. It's not him actually being a good person. Yeah. I always tell people I can't really give him anything because he is a give an inch, take a mile kind of a guy. How has it felt to be free of his phone calls? Now he could start calling again and you can just block him if that happens. But for the time being where you don't have that fear of him calling, how does that feel? So good. I don't have that pit in my stomach anymore when I see his name. I don't even have to think. My phone isn't something to fear really anymore. I'm not sitting there wondering if he's sent me a text message on my phone. Like I can go to my phone and it's not a place of worry. And the other thing is so, so much comfort in knowing the things that I say and the things that he says and being able to go back and know that my reality and what I know is true. And I have that evidence now. And that is such a gift for me because I really do struggle with that still, with just knowing my own truth. I really struggle with that. Even outside of our marriage, I really do struggle with confidence in myself and confidence in trusting myself still because of 15 years of somebody questioning my truth or making me question my truth. Now, Again, it's that rebuild. I'm rebuilding and I'm rebuilding that trust in myself and knowing that what I'm saying is truth because I have proof. That's awesome. So if you're interested in implementing no contact, the first thing is to know that it's possible and then to start problem solving. The other cool thing that Lee has described today is that through the process of attempting to implement no contact, and you don't have to do this with a protective order, you can do it without a protective order. There are lots of options. We'll talk more about this on the podcast later, but that once you start doing it, then you realize the other holes in your armor 
or the other chinks that you have that you're like, oh, I didn't realize I needed to board up this window or I didn't realize I needed to lock this door. And so we're going to have Lee back on the podcast in about six months to discuss what she learned through implementing no contact and where she is now. So thank you so much for coming today, Lee. Thank you again for having me. I can't wait to touch base with her again in a few months. If this podcast is helpful to you, please consider supporting it. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom and click on support the podcast. I know that during the holidays, it is an extremely excruciating time emotionally. Many women think, oh, you know, it's going to be a good holiday season and it just turns out to be terrible. So many women find out about their husband's porn use on Christmas Eve or on Christmas or Thanksgiving or around holidays. It is horrific and traumatizing. We understand we are here for you during this whole season. Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group is running and we'd love to see you in a session. So please join us. And until next week, stay safe out there.